I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 17 of Season 6 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Nick Rehack of Rabbit Hole Podcasts. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, I, I, I missed you since yesterday, so why not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> minute 17 begins with the pie man becoming curious and ends with Peter seeking hope so yesterday we ended things uh you know in in the bailey uh dining room where harry was on his way out uh going going to the party you know we have peter and george sitting at the table eating and ma bailey's around there making sure that she's gonna find out find a way to give her son you know his uh tie pins and uh and studs and harry doesn't care and harry's on his way out the door and the last thing he says before he starts walking out is he he says to George, hey, you coming later, George? And George, George gives a very interesting response. He goes, what do you mean? And be bored to death? So I find it very interesting that he says it that way. Because, I mean, we, we've established already that George is only two years older than Harry. Okay, so it's not as if there's a huge age gap between them with this whole thing. Right, it's not like he's like middle school or like super young. Right. But they, they make it seem as if there's such a large gap between them at this point, you know, with the way that he's talking, meaning like, why would I go to something that all the kids are doing? You know, and again, it's only a two year difference. And and what is that two years? I mean, uh, George was born in 1907 and uh, Harry was born in 1909. And right now we're in 1928. So that means George is approximately 21, 22. No, actually, he can't be 22 yet. He's either 20 or 21. And Harry is either 18 or 19, you know, depending on the, I mean, but there's still, I, I guess, uh, uh, approximately a two-year gap difference between the two of them because we, we don't know when they were born. So, you know, it, it could be that the, the gap is a little uh, shorter than that. But, but again, it's, it's not a very large gap. You know, you, you, I mean, even if you go back and you look at the, when, when they were, you know, in the scene where they were, when they were sledding, Okay, so George let Harry tag along with him and his friends. You know, it wasn't something that, that George said, oh, no, 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 you can't join us. You're, you're too young. You know, again, it's a, a year and a half to your gap is not that much, especially even at a young age, it's not that much. And, and even here, it's not that much. So it's, it's a little strange that the way that George responds with that, you know, because George makes it seem as if he, that this is, it's beneath him to go there. You know, that type of thing. Well, and, and you know, kind of spoilers, because we'll touch on it later, I'm sure. I mean, his dad does say, like, he was born old. Like, right. he just has an right. older way about him. Mm-hmm. Correct. Correct. 
And I mean, the, the, the response that Harry gives is great. He goes, couldn't want a better death. Lots of pretty girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're going to use that I'll new floor tonight. at him, by the way. That's right. And we're yeah. going to use the new floor tonight, which again, this is great foreshadowing. You know, the, the idea that, 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 you know, come because if you're going to die, why not be bored to death when there are tons of pretty girls around? And, you know, we're going to use the new floor, which you don't really know what that means at this point. We'll find out uh, the end of this week that we'll, we'll, it'll be mentioned, but we're only going to really see it next week. And then the, the, the response is, I hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think the, the, the comment is that it, you hope it works, that, that there's going to be a lot of pretty girls, so therefore we won't be bored to death? Or is it that the new floor will work? You know, it could go either way here. That I've, I feel like it's more towards the floor. Oh, it is. Because I but, think but his but mind is pretty much set on the girls. That's right. It, it, no, obviously it's about the, the, the floor. But, but I'm saying that they, they do leave it a little ambiguous that it could be either, either or of them. You know, so I, I think that's a little funny. And and this really foreshadows a lot about the, the, the what's going to happen in the movie. You know, the idea of, you know, if you go there, you're going to meet pretty girls and you have the whole new floor. Which at this point, they basically just throw these lines out. You know, they're not explained at all. But as I mentioned yesterday, there are a lot of things in this movie that when you watch the movie uh, subsequent times, you will notice things that are either foreshadowing or pointing out things that will happen later. You know, and they do that really well here. Okay. And then out of, out of the blue, Peter goes, no gin tonight, son. Oh, pop, just a little. No, son, not one drop. Oof. Now, okay, I, you're, I know you're a little bit of a, uh, you, 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 you like your, your uh, booze in the morning on airplanes. Okay. I, I remember that story. <laughs> You see, you got you, you got yeah. you got to be careful. I, I have a good memory, you know. So you know, some some things you say sometimes the Nick can come back to haunt you. That's funny. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's true though. I mean, I, I know, I know. So what what is gin? Um, gin is uh, reduced down from oh gosh, I, it's it's a type of berry. It's not a I I want to say elderberry, but I'm not a hundred juniper juniper, but I. Juniper berry. Oh, so close. But yeah, it's a, it's a liqueur that's kind of reduced down from a from that berry. Right. Okay. Do you, do you know where it originally came from? Uh, probably a longer word, and they just shortened it. No, not the it. word. I'm not word. talking about the word. The, the word, too, but that isn't what I'm referring to. I mean, the longer word, and again, this wasn't what I was looking for, is uh, Jennifer. Okay. But, Would but, not have gotten that. Yeah. And which, which is basically, it comes from the Latin word for juniper, you know, which is why it can be... You know, shortened to gin. No, but my question was: Is uh, when did when did people start using gin? And we're not oh, talking man. about gin rummy. Oh, oh. We're not talking about gin rummy. Uh, <laughs> I would I would say gin is a more recent and in vogue thing. So let's let's go late 1700s and say 1785. No, it goes all the way back to the 13th century. Because uh, it, it started out as a medicine that monks and alchemists uh, made across Europe, okay. and they 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 actually that. you know they were they were making wine infused with juniper berries, and then they were making medicines with it, and the doctors used to carry it around with them all the time, you know juniper. And I had no idea. And during during the Black Plague. 
they they used to the, the doctors who would walk around would have juniper in their masks in order to protect them from the black death. Huh. Know? So okay. I, I, I don't really know how much it worked, <laughs> but you know, it was, it was thought of a popular cure all at the time. But again, I guess when you get drunk, it's a cure all for anything, right? <laughs> That's true. Hey, hey, I don't have any problems anymore. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> well, you do. You're not thinking about them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, but modern modern gin uh, was started in uh, France, which, which again makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if it's if they're doing it with wine, and all of a sudden they start to separate it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So like in the in the 17th century, it started with uh, you know in France, and then in uh, uh, there there were Dutch and Flemish distillers that started uh, making it, and then it ended up getting uh, to England also. The One of the things was is that the British government at the time allowed unlicensed gin production, and there was mm. there was heavy taxes on uh, brandy and things like that. So people were actually, you know, drinking more gin. Sense. In 1736, there was the Gin Act, which had, you know, they, they decided to try and stop things and, uh, you know, to uh, put taxes on them. And there, there was rioting. Yeah, a lot, lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's kind of so, nuts to me. Yeah. Now, what, what, what threw me is the whole idea here that, okay, we're, we're talking about, you know, Peter says to, to Harry, I don't want you drinking any gin. Okay. So do, do you remember what year I said this was taking place? Uh, 
it's like I guess he, he if he said that you could take the plates, so then that that uh, already says if you can take the plates, then take the car. Hmm. Yeah, he never does confirm it, does he? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's that's actually very interesting. Now I'm curious as to how he got there. No, I'm, well, I'm assuming he took the car because <laughs> he has all the yeah, plates. Yeah, but now I mean, we don't see him, we, we don't, don't see know him. for sure. Right. It's not canon. <laughs> That's right. That's true. Well, it's it's not. Uh, we'll, we'll get there later this week. On on Friday, we'll talk okay. a little bit about that. But but you're right. It's we only see him take three pies. That's it. <laughs> you know. But 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 as you said, he does a great job of balancing that that pie on his head. But so again, you know, it's funny that this is during prohibition that they're talking about this. You know, so it, yeah, it could go either way. But it. yeah, it could it could go either way. It could be that he is talking about the fact that you're taking the car, so don't drink. Or, but again, he wasn't old enough to drink, even, you know. Anyway, because I mean, the the legal the legal drinking age is twenty one, isn't it? Yes. Was it yeah. always? I I believe so. I don't think they ever raised it. Hmm. I don't know. I never I never even thought about that. But again, during prohibition, there was no legal age to drink. You know, you, you it didn't matter if you're you could be Peter's age and you're not allowed to drink. That's true. Yeah, no, that's very interesting what, what it was in the U.S. All right, so according to what I found here is is that nowadays in the U.S., the minimum legal age to purchase alcohol is 21, except for in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, where you can do it at the age of 18. That's for purchasing. The legal drinking age varies by states, and many states have no age requirement for supervised drinking with one's parents or legal guardians. Hmm. That's even yeah, more Yeah, that I know about. Yeah, right. in Maryland, if you're consuming alcohol within a private residence – I think I, I can't remember if it's one or two adults of over a certain age have to be present. Like it can't be like an older brother. Like it has to be a parent guardian in a situation. Right. Which I had no idea existed and was a thing, but that's really interesting to know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they have a really interesting law here that, that I just found out about here in Israel that I just found out about a few months ago that you can't buy any alcohol beverages after I think like 11 o'clock at night or something like that. And, huh. you know, my, my, my wife and I were, were, were buying stuff, you know, we were going away for the weekend and so we were buying stuff and it was like 1130 at night or something like that. And we went to buy a bottle of wine and they wouldn't let us, you know, it didn't, doesn't matter your age. It was that, you know, you can't. And when I said something to my 19 uh, year old son, he started laughing because he's like, yeah, of course you can. Everyone knows that you can't do that. And I'm like, well, I don't really drink. <laughs> you know, I never, I never thought about it. It wasn't something that, that, you know, that, that, that I ever, that even crossed my mind at some point as to, you know, whether, whether you're allowed to or not. And, and again, I was buying like wine that's what, like 12% or 6% alcohol. You know, I'm not even talking about something that was, uh, you know, not, nothing, it wasn't even hard liquor. And, and even it, then, who's to say you weren't going to use it in cooking? But even if I wanted to use it in cooking, I can't, <laughs> or I, I couldn't at that hour buy it. You know, so so it was, and I, maybe maybe it was even like sparkling wine or something like that. I mean, it wasn't. Again, it was not something. It, it really shocked my my wife and, and me that that when we were told that we couldn't do this, you know. But oh well, you know, we 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 managed. We figured out a way to do it. <laughs> We just got a whole bunch of juniper berries and went to town. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So no, obviously, you know, uh, growing up in a, a a Jewish home where where re religiously we have wine every every Friday night, you know. So you know, you by us, it was there was never an issue 
you know, you can drink wine, you know, in the family setting, but I guess it was the type of thing that I couldn't, you know, before, before anyone's 21, you can't go and buy it. I guess that's maybe part of the, the idea here. But again, during prohibition, no one could, <laughs> no one could legally buy it. So yeah, I don't know. we have Annie come back into the room and she pipes up and, and she, she says, uh, boys and girls in music, why do they need gin? <laughs> You know, I guess, I guess you can tell that she's, there's a reason she's single if she's making comments like that. <laughs> it's possible. possible. Yeah, I guess she's saying. fun and excitement as is. That's right. No, you just, you just have to music. And that's it. What do you, what do you need gin to get? So, I mean, I, I guess I can sort of understand that perspective also. You don't necessarily need the booze to, to have a better time. No, yeah. but if it for some people allows you to kind of loosen up a little bit, let your guard down, enjoy the moment, and you know, kind of just a touch more vulnerable than normal, like right. it, you know, you, you end up having a little more fun. Because I've definitely been to places where, like, the music's playing and I should be dancing. And I'm like, I, I don't know, I don't know how I'm gonna like look or what if people giggle. And then there's other times where I'm like, they can laugh all they want. I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> okay, dancing fool. That's right. And, and like, as she's coming out, she's, she has like three plates of what looks like salad, you know, and that, that she's basically, you know, she's, she's bringing to the table for them. And then George turns to Peter and says, did I act like that when I graduated from high school? And, and the, the response is, yeah, pretty much. So I, I, I think that, that that's also a great way of looking at this because I, I think everyone is like that. You know, I, I could probably say that I'm like that. And, and you, you, you probably were that way also, you know, that, that as you get older, you act differently. But, you know, if you're acting as, as a teenager, you might act stupidly, you know, and, you know, we all forget that we possibly acted that way when we were that age. You know, so it's, it's funny that it's only two years ago and, you know, George is being told by Peter, yeah, you did act that way. <laughs> you weren't always this old man that you are now, boy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And then Peter changes the subject and he goes, you know, George, I wish we could send Harry to college with you. Your mother and I talked it over half the night. Again, it shows that it's very important for them that their sons get an education. Mm -hmm. They realize that they had to skimp on, on their funds. And, you know, he and, he and his wife spent all night talking about it, trying to figure out where they can, you know, save in order to be able to send both of them to, to, to college at the same time, which, which is, is pretty, uh, you know, uh, admirable, the fact that they that they're willing yeah. to do this, even though you know, as we're about to find out through the dialogue, it's less beneficial to uh, to Peter in the short run. In the long run, it's beneficial to him, but not in the short run. Yeah, yeah. And then George says to him, "Well, we have it all figured out." And so, who's we? George and George and Harry, basically. That's what I assumed. Yeah. Like he. You know, we and he and he kind of says, remember, we talked about or blah, blah, blah. He just kind of like, oh, we figured it out. We're going to do this and this. Yeah. Or unless he just. Yeah. It would have to be him and his brother. Right. And then he goes, you see, Harry will take my job at the building and loan, work there for four years, and then he'll go. And, you know, again, it's just the, the, the ages don't make sense here because, you know, George has not been working there for four years. You know, so it's sort of unfair to Harry if that were to be the case. That, you know, they got enough money now to send George to college for four years. So Harry now needs to, to do that for, if he does it for four years, because he'll then be two years older than George is now. 
You see, what I'm, you see where I'm going with that? That 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 Harry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then Peter goes, "Well, uh, he's pretty young for that job, isn't he?" And then George goes, "Well, not younger than I was." And then it comes to the the quote you mentioned earlier. You know, he says, "Well, you were born older, George." And George gives him like a double take, and then you know he he sort of turns his ear, you know that 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 he can't hear from. His trickier, as he calls it. Mm-hmm. And then he says, how's that? And then Peter responds, I said you were born older. I suppose you decided what you what you want to do when you get out of college. You know, he, he just like sort of changes the subject. You know, he stays within the same realm of the subject, but he still changes it a little bit. And he goes, well, what yeah. do you decide you want to do when you get out of college? Now, don't you think they've discussed this before? They it, had to have. And especially exactly. he's like, isn't he a little young for that job? You know the job. It's it's at your place. Like why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you know the job? Like that's right. And how would he not know that? No, maybe saying he's too young to train him for that type of job. Oh, okay, okay. You know, maybe he's not uh, mature enough in order to be able to take on some so that type of job. Okay, that and, I that I it, can see. And that this sort of all says that you know that Peter looks at George and Harry very differently. You know, he sees that you know the fact that he calls that he says to George that you were born older. Meaning he he sees George and, and understands better George's uh, perspective on things and the way George manages things and stuff like that. And he doesn't think that Harry is currently capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, so well, I don't think he's seeing Harry every day, whereas he sees, you know, he sees him every day at work. But Harry, he's just kind of seeing around the house or at school or in passing or. Whatever. So I think as he's gotten to know, you know, Jimmy Stewart's character and 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 live with him and, and just really become kind of a like co-worker and co-adult, if that makes sense. Like right. rather than mm-hmm. looking at him on on as a son. Correct. And then he says, oh, well, uh, you know what I've always talked about? Uh, build things, design new buildings, plan modern cities, all that stuff I've been thinking I've been talking about. And again, he's been talking about this for 10 years. Plus, you know, it's, it's, you know, don't you think his father would already know these things? That this would he he wants to be some sort of engineer, you know, to to build and design and and plan and all that type of stuff. And then, and then Peter says to him, "Oh, still after that first million before you're 30. Which which is it's it's a dig, but it also he's sort of laughing. In the face of the fact that that George thinks that there is a uh, way to get quick rich, or get rich quick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, meaning meaning Peter looks at it that okay, I have the experience to know that that's not going to happen. But if that's where you want to go, I'm going to let you try it. And then he says, "Well, I'll settle for half that in cash." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which makes you smile. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I don't, I don't need it in the uh, in the bank. I'll take the cash, and and think about Put it. it at that time. In, in 1928, you know, how how much do you think uh, a million dollars was worth in 1928? I mean, that's got to be at least two and a half, three million. Oh, it's much more than that. What? Nowadays, a million dollars in nineteen in in nineteen twenty eight. Okay, if you have a million dollars, 
You think it's only worth two million these days? Yeah, and, and like, yeah, it's worth right? it, it's eighteen million dollars. What? No. In twenty twenty three, one one million dollars of nineteen twenty eight is worth eighteen million dollars in twenty twenty three. Oh my gosh! No way! Yes. <laughs> Man, I I genuinely have no concept of money. This is upsetting. Eighteen million. Ugh. Yeah, slightly less. It's seventeen million nine hundred fifty-four thousand seven hundred thirty-six and eighty-four cents. Yeah, you know, it's close. Oh well, what's <laughs> what's fifty-five thousand between friends? You know, there, like exactly what? for sure. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good that you still caught the fifty-five thousand. That's pretty good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> but uh, no, but but that basically that, that knowing this this information blows my mind even more now because I'm saying to myself, George was thinking. You know, it would be if, if someone were to say, I'm going to, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to make $18 million. I mean, that's just absurd. That's really absurd. You know, maybe maybe that's why Peter is, is laughing it off because he knows that that's impossible. Especially as an architect or someone that plans cities. Like, that's not very, that's not a glamorous type of job. I mean, you have some names out there, but they also designed many, many buildings and did a lot of other things for work as supplementary income. Like they didn't just like Frank Lloyd Wright wasn't just, you know, the, I mean, he, he did a, a handful of buildings, but you know, it's, it's, that's just one guy um, a, right. amongst a sea of people. Correct. Peter ends, ends the minute by saying, of course, it's just the hope, you know, his hope is, is that, that, you know, that George will come back and work for him. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, he shows a lot of wisdom. You know, I, I, I've always loved the character of Peter Bailey because he, he, he really shows what, what type of person one can become, you yeah. know, just he, he's stressed. He's clearly not having the best time with uh, Potter, but he still like keeps it cool. He keeps it, you know, relative to the room. He's not overly animated. He's not, you know, a dour sourpuss kind of guy. He's just he's there. He's in the moment, and it's it's hard to be that way anymore. I think. That's right. Yeah, for sure. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into to, to today's segment? Just kind of, and I'm sure we're gonna say it again and again, but just the dialogue here between these two it it just it feels so realistic it's so genuine there's so much you know true emotion and weight behind it and it's just it feels so good to see that in an older film because sometimes the dialogue is a little up or a little heightened if you will just to and i guess grab people's attention or whatever but just it's just a simple scene of two fellas talking and it has just such an impact and weight to it and it's just it's it feels good you know kind of seeing that yeah i agree i definitely agree and and i think that it, that it it it's also shows amazing exposition for what you know this for this whole story it's it's you know the, the conversation between the two of them i mean i think their whole conversation is about 3 minutes long which is which is relatively a lot in a in a movie you know to yeah. have two yeah. characters have you know such a long conversation but you know the the we, we gain so much about the about not just george's character which is the main point here but we also learn about peter's character and peter's philosophies on life and you know who what peter thinks of potter and all these things i mean it's it's all you know in these these, these few minutes they they just give us such a great way to look at these at at 
at everything going on in Bedford Falls. Yeah, and and a lesser film would just kind of walk in circles over that point. Uh, it would hit you with you know the exposition and then kind of ramble on or go into something else and then back into and you might check out a little bit or if you're maybe at home you pay attention to your phone the movie's kind of all in the background but with a film like this it's like you said just like three or so minutes of people of two guys talking and it's just it's it's enthralling it it grabs your attention and you're listening to them and it's exposition at its core but there's so much more on top of it because not only are we filling in some blanks on the story we're filling in blanks on the type of people they are and not just like their Mm -hmm. characters and their morals and what they're aiming for but just there's so much more it's truly world building in a grander sense but it's done on such a small scale and such an intimate level yeah it really is and and I really liked it. And then one other thing I wanted to mention, you know, he uh, earlier on in the minute, so Harry says to George, well, there are a lot of pretty girls there. Now, Bedford Falls is not that big of a town. You'd mm-hmm. think that everyone pretty much knows everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I would assume. <laughs> so so it, it's it's strange that he would make it seem as if, oh, you're going to come in, you'll get to, get to see all these pretty girls. You know, and George's answer should already be, well, I already know them all, you know. They were two years below me in school. <laughs> it's not as if that's true. I doubt that Bedford Falls has six high schools where oh those those weren't in my they weren't in my high school you know that type of thing. Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll touch upon that a little bit more later on in the week when we when we actually get to the dance itself. So every Tuesday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Uplifting Experience Edition, where my guests will give some sort of story, anecdote, adventure, misadventure, something has happened to them during the course of their life that they feel was an uplifting experience. So, uh, Nick, you got a story for us? I do, yeah. Um, earlier you talked about, um, you know, having a drink early on a flight. Well, this story is actually from that trip that I had taken. So I flew out to Red Rocks uh, in Denver and went to some concerts. And on one of the nights, my buddy and I were leaving, and we see a guy just kind of walking along. So we rolled down the window and we said, hey, man, you know, do you want to it's pitch black out. The road is not very well lit. Like, do you want to ride? And he's like, yeah, sure. He's like, I'm just meeting up with some friends. And in our mind, we're like, oh, OK, he's probably, you know, walked further down to where his car is parked. So we'll just drive him that extra, you know, 100 feet, half mile or whatever, drop him off and then we'll go on our merry way. Not the case. Sounds, uh, sounds like a serial say, killer story. <laughs> Well, actually, I have a very 180 version of this story if if for that. Uh, but this one's positive, so I, I'm going to stay with this one. Uh, so we pick him up and we're driving, and he's like, yeah, I meet my friends back at the hotel. And we're like, oh, like, where's your hotel at? Turns out his hotel is 25 minutes away, but it just so happens to be kind of in the same direction we're already heading, maybe two or three minutes difference out the way. And we're like, what hotel are you staying at? He gives the name of the hotel, and we look it up on Google Maps, but there's like five of this particular chain hotel, and he's not sure which one it is. <laughs> so we're playing the game. We're trying to figure out on our on their phones while I'm driving, like, you know, oh, is there a gas station nearby? Like, what's nearby so we can figure out landmarks? And we just took a guess a random one. It happened to be his, which was really cool. Um, and it just felt nice to kind of give this stranger who had just seen the same show as us. So he was somewhere in the crowd, uh, give him a ride back to his place and saved him an hour or two or, you know, misadventures with other people that are, were not as friendly as, uh, me and my friend were. So it just, it felt good to, you know, give a total stranger a ride 
to you know his destination and he he got there safe and sound and it it just it felt good doing that so it's uplifting and up, it uplifted me and we literally upped and lifted him to his destination so it's a uh, two prong here oh wow yeah okay so now you got me curious about the, the 180 story though <laughs> now you got to tell that one so <laughs> all right with that one uh in southeast Baltimore County, there's an area called Miller's Island. Now, it's not really an island. It's more of a peninsula. And there's a road that takes you – it's it's a two-way road or uh, a two-way street, mm-hmm. one way in, one way out, and that's it. I was spending time uh, with this girl, and it starts getting late, and I'm like, hey, I'm just going to head home. She's like, oh, okay. I go to leave, and there's cars backed up, and we can't leave. And there's someone going from car to car, walking to each uh, window, and they get to mine, and they're a bad accident the police have the road sealed off no one's getting in or out i was like okay so i quick call up this girl and i said hey is it cool if i come back and stay the night and she was like oh i was hoping you would say that i'm like no you don't understand i can't leave like the area there's an accident that happened and she's like oh no what's going on i said let me explain when i get back i'm doing a yui in the road there and as i'm turning around i see this guy kind of stumbling with his thumb out and i roll my window down i said hey man where you want to go to the Islander. The Islander is a restaurant within Miller Island. It was probably a mile from where I was. And I said, yeah, no problem. Uh, Hop on in. I'll give you a ride. I know where that's at. He gets in. Now, when he opens the door, obviously the interior lights come on. I look over at him to kind of make a face and be like, hi, I'm friendly, you know, kind of thing and get a read for this guy. As he closes the door, I see that he's covered in blood, right? So I am, (laughs) yeah, right? (laughs) Again, very much a 180. I am, I think I'm like 18 or 19 at this point, maybe 20. And rather than just say, hey, get out of my car, what are you doing covered in blood? I just start driving to this place, right? <laughs> driving, and we're talking the whole time. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, yeah, there was a really bad accident. And uh, I saw what happened. So I went over and I was trying to help the people out of the car. This car had flipped over. I'm like, okay. So at least. There's a good reason there's blood on him. <laughs> and I said, well, how come you didn't stick around for, you know, the cops and everything? He's like, oh, there's a warrant out for my arrest. <laughs> I said, oh, I mean, I'm a carjacker. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he skipped out on like 40 or 50 thousand dollar bond or bail or something. But there was a warrant out for to bring him in and I guess fully process him for whatever he did. But. Thankfully, we reached the restaurant before he was able to tell me what exactly he did. No lights on whatsoever. I said, is somebody here? And he's like, yeah, uh, you know, this guy, Dan, he'll let me in. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yep. I'm like, all right, cool. See ya. Drive off. <laughs> I I uh, get back to the girl's house, tell her what's going on. All of a sudden, she's on Facebook and sleuthing and trying to figure out what all happened. And I'm like, well, just don't tell anybody I was involved in any way. Like, just don't. You didn't hear anything from me. I stay the night. I come home early the next morning and my dad's in the driveway and he's like, oh, you know, you look at you rolling in the next day. And I'm like, well, here's what happened. I tell him the story. He gets very pale in his face. He says, you need to call your mother right now. My mother for a while was a 911 first responder uh, in 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 Baltimore. So Mm -hmm. when you called. 911, there was a chance that you got my mom. Fun fact, and this is a story for another time. The first time I ever called 911, my mother picked up. (laughs) (laughs) But that's another story. 
I call her and I tell her everything that happened. And she said, well, the cops are going to be reaching out to you. I'm like, why do the cops want to reach out to me? And she said, because there were three people in the car accident. They only found two of them. Uh (laughs) And essentially a getaway driver for this guy. I uh, apparently the guy that I had picked up was the one driving the vehicle. It had hit an embankment, flipped over the two passengers in there with him, uh, DOA, and he just got out and started walking away. Uh, and, thankfully, and, and nice Nickery Heck picked him up. <laughs> yeah, good old me. Good old accessory here. Uh, uh, thankfully, they they found him later that day, took him in, and, and it happened that happened. But it was – And he's like, really, it wasn't really me. It was, it was that guy, Nick. He was the driver. <laughs> essentially i mean it was it was it was a whole ordeal and i'm very surprised we picked up this fella uh leaving the show and then decided to drive him to his hotel C- considering that i had you know the adventure that i had had years prior yeah seriously uh, so yeah oh, wow. it's a real two sides uh two sides of the coin i i don't pick up uh hitchhikers or anybody looking for a ride normally so <laughs> Anymore. Uh, yeah. Anymore. <laughs> you, you've learned your lesson. <laughs> Very much so. Okay. Makes sense. See, I love your stories, Nick. You've got great stories. Thank you. I, thank, you so, thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for sharing. You know, the, we're, I'm, I'm going to be calling 911 right now. They're going to be picking you up soon. Uh, <laughs> accessory to, to murder. All right, so Nick, you want to once again tell people uh, where they can find Nick Rehack? They can find me over at rabbitholepodcast.com. They can also find me as a guest over on Mark Hoffmeyer's fantastic podcast, Movies, Films, and Flicks. Uh, recent episodes that I've been featured on, we discussed the film Memories of Murder. Also did something a little different out of the ordinary. We had a dread draft. Uh, we discussed movies that fill us with dread and why that is and kind of get to the bottom of maybe some of our, you know, things that kind of spook us and scare us and wise. So it was a, it's a really fun time. It's a really fun episode. Uh, even though it's about dread, um, it's uh, it's a good time. So check it out over at movies, films, and flicks. All right. And while you do that, you can review and subscribe to any podcast from you and listen to this show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Or you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly, dear. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears.